Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1 to verse 11. This is God's word. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons. For they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you and he would destroy you quickly. But thus shall you deal with them. You shall break down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and chop down their asherim and burn their carved images with fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the earth that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repays to their face those who hate him by destroying them. He will not be slack with one who hates him. He will repay him to his face. You shall therefore be careful to do the commandment and the statutes and the rules that I command you today. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for your Bible, your holy scriptures, uh, the words that have been breathed out by your mouth, the words that have been written by men who have been moved along by the Holy Spirit. Oh Lord, we confess this morning that uh, we can't fully comprehend all that you have written for us. But Lord, we beg of you, give us a taste. Help us to see um, how glorious you are this morning. Help us to behold you in your splendor and help us to be in awe, give us and stir up our affections for Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to see how you save people this morning. Help us to see in your divine wisdom how you accomplish your salvation that is based on your love. And Lord, would you give us more confidence and more faith? Would you give us that great gift to lean more and more upon you? Help us, God, to grow in our faith. Thank you so much. Uh, that we can meet together, even though it's like this. Lord, would you bless this time. Help us, God, to focus on your word this morning. Help us to be attentive to what you want to say to us. And Lord, would you stir us up and cause us to react um, as we consider your words in your Bible. We pray these things for the sake of Christ and in his name. Amen. Oh, well, friends, we have... um such a glorious topic this morning that um, it's it's quite intimidating to consider it. And um, 
there's a lot of controversy and a lot of arguments around uh, the topic we'll consider this morning, uh, but we just want to see what, what it says here. We want to know what God is saying, um, and it really does glorify him as we consider this. So um, every day we make choices. You know, every day uh, there are things that we need to consider. There are options that we weigh up against each other. In fact, soon we're going to have an election. And uh, our, our election coming up, it, it requires us to vote. And um, when we consider those who are calling on our vote, those who are uh, campaigning for us to make a decision uh, to vote for them, they give us certain uh, conditions. They say, vote for us because um, we will do ABC. Vote for us because of our qualities. The, these are our qualities. These are our qualifications. Uh, vote for us based on these things. Vote for us based on our policies. And so we can understand that when we make choices every day, we make them based on conditions. You can also think about uh, a jobs. So when you go for a job, you give people reason to choose you over other people. You, you put on your CV, perhaps, that you have experience in this area. You put on your CV that you have qualifications that are related to the job you're applying for. Um, and I've been a part of a, a couple of uh, interviews with a couple of the companies I've worked for. And you're looking for the person who is most qualified with the experience and the qualities that you want for the job. And so you make decisions based on, on, on the conditions that they bring. You make conditional uh, decisions. And this morning, as we consider uh, a choice that God makes, and I'll turn your attention to verse 6, it says, God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. We see that God works in total contrast uh, to what I've just described. The decisions that we make on a day-to-day -day basis are based on conditions. They're based on um, things that we know about other things. We weigh things up against each other. But we see here, uh, in these verses that God hasn't chosen Israel based on our decision-making. In fact, it's totally foreign to us to make a decision the way that God has made it here. God's decision of Israel is unconditional. And let's consider that for a little while. Look at verse 1. And just at the end of verse 1, he says, he names these seven nations and he says, they're more numerous and mightier than you. Now, in an Old Testament context, if you were one nation and you wanted another nation's support, you would go to the mightiest nation with the most numbers. You would go to the nation who had the biggest army. You would go to the nation who had the most wealth. If you wanted partnership with a nation, you would go for a nation who externally looks like they're the nation who would win a battle or a, and, and gain victory in war. You want someone who can um, carry out the needs that you give them. And God here says, my decision is not based on those things. And it's not based on those conditions. It's not based on whether Israel was mightier or more numerous than any other nation. In fact, he says, you weren't. There are seven nations listed here that are mightier than you. that are more numerous than you. And this is backed up again in verse 7. If you look down there, it says, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. So God did not choose Israel based on, he did not set his love on them based on their numbers or their might. And another thing to consider here is 
Israel was a very um, unfaithful um, nation. Throughout the 40 years in the wilderness, they, they carved image, um, they complained and they grumbled, and they were unfaithful to God. They were easily led astray by others. And it's evidenced here because Moses says, look, you need to be careful. Over and over again, he says, be careful. You're going into this land and I know you're going to be unfaithful. Stop being unfaithful. And it's not because they were faithful. It's not because they were holy. And if you look at verse 6, it says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. In other words, you're not chosen because you were holy. You were chosen to be holy. You were chosen to be set apart. You're not chosen because you're set apart. You're chosen so that I can set you apart. And we see here, friends, um, that God's decision for Israel is not based on anything that Israel presents to God. Uh, God's decision for Israel is not influenced by Israel's job history. It's not influenced by Israel's qualities. It's not influenced um, by anything to do with Israel. In fact, God's decision for Israel is outside of Israel. And, you know, if we, take, um, if we take the New Testament seriously, uh, if we take Paul seriously when he says in 1 Corinthians 10 that these things are examples for us, um, when we take him seriously in Romans 14, when he says that these things are, are for our encouragement and for our instruction, um, we can know that these things have some application to us. And Ephesians chapter 1 just goes right out and gives us some parallels to this. In Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 3, so verse 6, we see that we are chosen in God. Does God choose people today? Yes, he does. And how are these people chosen? Well, friends, they're chosen in the same way that the Israelites were chosen, not based on any condition that we give to God. Because when you're looking for someone for a job interview, or if you're looking for a product, or if you're looking for someone to build your house, or if you're looking for someone to do something, the question that you're always asking is, what do they have to offer? What do they bring to the table that's better than this person or the other person? What do they have to offer me? And when we consider God's choice for Israel and we say, what did Israel have to offer God? Friends, the answer is simple. Absolutely nothing. They did not have their wealth. They actually came from slavery. They did not have might. They would have been conquered by any country. So what did they have to offer? Nothing except unfaithfulness, disobedience, and sin. And as we consider the words of Paul in Ephesians, when he says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, what, what do we have to offer God as people who are living after this New Testament writing? What do we have to give God. Why would God choose any one of us? What reason do we give him to choose us? What do we have to offer? Friends, exactly what the Israelites had to offer. Absolutely nothing. God has nothing to gain from us. We have nothing to give him. His decision to save people, his decision to choose people is not based on people. And let's consider for a moment that it was and how terrifying it is to think that if God chose us based on our performance, based on our history, based on our qualities, based on what we have to offer, 
as you look down at verse 10, it says that God repays to their face those who hate them by destroying them. He will not be slapped with those who hate him. He will repay him to his face. The only thing um, that would come about if God chose people according to them, people according to people's qualities and all of the things that they have to offer, God would not choose a single person, not a single one. In fact, if God only worked that way, all that we would get is what we deserve. And we see that there in verse 10. We would only deserve destruction. We would only deserve to be abandoned. We would only deserve what we um, have told God that we deserve, uh, alienation from him and punishment. So I want to I wanna suggest to you this morning, my dear friends, that it is a good thing that God's decision for choosing people is not based on people themselves. It is a wonderful and magnificent truth to behold that God would choose us, that God would choose anyone. If God only chose one person, that would be an extreme display of, of grace, that he would save one person. But if we consider um, down here in verse 9 and verse 10, it says, um, know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. God has not just been pleased to save one person, and if he did, God is God. And that would be an extreme and marvelous display of grace to save even one. But here we see that um, to a thousand generations, Think about the magnitude of that number. In Revelations, uh, in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, John gives an account of what he sees in eternity in this great vision of his. And he says that there is a multitude of people that no man can count. As well as that, he says, they're from every nation and every tribe and every tongue and every peoples. Uh, do you see how marvelous this is? that God would choose anyone at all, just one person, and how magnificent that is. But God has not stopped there. He said to a thousand generations, there are multitudes that no one can number. God has been pleased to save many, many people. And that's good news for us. And my friends, I, I want to turn our attention again to Ephesians. It says that, um, that he has chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And so we can ask the question, when did God make this choice? And this only reinforces the fact that he didn't make the choice um, according to the life that you lived. This choice was made before you ever lived. This choice was made in eternity. And what encouragement does that give us? What encouragement do we have that God makes this decision in eternity? Friends, the, the decisions that God makes in eternity are not affected by our time. They will be carried on into eternity again. And so our salvation um, being chosen in Christ is anchored in eternity and will return again to eternity. Our um, being chosen is not susceptible to the influences of time. What that means is that when God saves someone, he saves someone. What that means is when God chooses someone, he carries that out to full completion. 
It means that God is fully capable of not only choosing um, to save, but saving to the uttermost. He will save indeed. He will save to the end because this decision is made in eternity and carried through into eternity. Not only that, but in verse 6, uh, verse 5 of um, Ephesians 1, it says, this is according to his will. And um, that's an encouragement to us too, because God has a perfect will, unlike us. God has a um, perfect will, untainted. And his will is not influenced, again, by us. His will is carried on and um, completed. And so we find encouragement there that not only is uh, God's choosing uh, based on um, his love, not only is it anchored in eternity, not only is it in Christ, but it's according to his perfect will and his will will be accomplished. And so God will save. And then again there in um, verse 6 of Ephesians 1, it says the result is to the praise of his glorious grace. Now, all of this choosing that we see here, that's not based on us because we have nothing to offer. This choosing that God does that's based on God's love, um, that's according to his will, that's anchored in eternity, it also results in the praise of his glorious grace. And so I, I hope we see there this morning that the reasons to come to God are stacked. The reasons to come to him are, are are just numerous and they're compounded and piled on each other. The reason to come to them is because it's not based on you. And that could be uh, a thing that people are turned away from God by. You know, they say things like, you know, I'm, I'm just not good enough. I'm not holy enough. Well, then for that exact reason, come to him. They may say, well, I don't know if I'm one of the chosen. Then for that reason, come to him. Do not turn away. Come to him. Now, any reason that we have to run away from God is more of a reason to come to God. And so we should think about those things seriously. If, if this morning you are considering um, whether you should come to God or whether you should not come to God, all of your reasons not to come to God are better, better suited to uh, be reasons to come to God. And the reasons we have to come to him are numerous. And and one more thing I want to um, just put onto that is I've already said that this decision that God made um, to choose Israel is based on his love. And would you look down to verse 7 with me again? It says, It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. And so he's saying there, God set his love on you, not because. You were more not numerous, not because of anything that you had to offer. God set his love on you because, in verse 8, the Lord loves you. And now this might sound quite circular, but what, what he's saying there is that God set his love on you because he loves you. What greater, um, more unbreakable reason is there to, to marvel at this than that God loves you because he loves you? Or that God loves Israel because he set his love on Israel. God set his love on Israel because he loves Israel. And we see in the New Testament, friends, that the, the true Israel are those who are found in Christ. And so a question to you this morning is, are, are you in Christ? Do, do you know Christ? Because 
those who are chosen can only be chosen in Christ. And just a, a, a couple more things here. Is, um, this should encourage us because the, the salvation that God brings is unstoppable uh, because it's based in eternity, because it's based on his love, because it results in his glory, because it's according to his will. His salvation is unstoppable. And so this morning, if you are considering whether or not uh, to come to Christ, what is stopping you? What, what's stopping you from coming to him? The one who can save, not only offers salvation, but actually saves. Dear friends, come to Christ. His, his election, um, this election is, is sort of a theological term for being chosen. Um, his election is, is sure. And so this should encourage us to come to him. This should encourage us to come to Christ that he has chosen a particular people and that he will save those who he has chosen. So those are some things for, for us to consider uh, this week. Well, I, I don't want to take too much more time, so let me pray, and then um, we'll, we'll sing again. Pray with me. Lord, thank you so much that you know the beginning from the end. Lord, thank you as well that you have ordained the end. Not only that, Lord, but you have ordained the means for that end. Um, Lord, we thank you that people are chosen by you, not based on anything that they have to offer, because if it was based on anything we had to offer, we would only meet destruction. But we thank you that your election, your choosing, is based on your love. And that it's based on your eternal will and your eternal decree. That it's based on um, and anchored in eternity. And thank you, Lord, that that is a way that you have chosen to glorify yourself. By saving people that you have chosen. Thank you, Lord, that nothing can stop you from accomplishing your will. We thank you, Lord, for the great gift of evangelism, which is only highlighted by election. I thank you, Lord, that we um, have the great privilege of um, using the means of grace to accomplish the ends. So we thank you, Lord, for the gospel, for the good news of Jesus Christ who died for sinners. We thank you, Lord, that um, we can understand in some part, that you are a gracious God. Uh, you are overwhelmingly gracious. Lord. We could not get anywhere with you apart from your grace. And Lord, would you help us to enjoy and to marvel at and to be in awe of these wonderful deep doctrines and this one of being chosen. We thank you too that there in Deuteronomy 7, it says that uh, verse 9, God is God. And Lord, you are not bound by anything. And Lord, you are the one who decrees things and you are the one who ordains things. You are, you are God. And Lord, help us to remember that in our lives. We thank you too, Lord, that we see not only in 
Deuteronomy 7, but also in Ephesians, that you have saved us, not because we were holy, but to be holy. You have saved us to holiness. You have saved us to be your prized possession. You have saved us to be adopted as your children. Lord, what marvelous and glorious truths we see there in your word. Lord, you mold us and shape us. Help us to become more like Christ. And help us to um, think upon these wonderful, uh, marvelous things about you. And Lord, would you cause it to do something in us. Help us to be humble, Lord, because we are not chosen because of anything that we've done. Help us to be like Christ, who is the example of humility. And Lord, would you spur us on to evangelism? Would you spur us on to spreading the good news? Because we know too, Lord, that anyone, everyone who calls, who truly calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord, we know that they can't call on whom they have not believed and they can't believe on whom they have not heard and they cannot hear without someone preaching. So help us, Lord, to be people who preach your word and who share your gospel. We know too, Lord, that people won't preach unless they are sent. So for us, Lord, who are not particularly gifted in preaching, Lord, help us and burden us with a great great feeling of um, supporting ministry, of um, sending people to do your work. Be glorified in all of this, Lord. And Lord, would you um, receive all your glory in the end? And would this all be to the praise of your glorious grace? We pray in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen.